Matthew chapter 26 is where we will be. Jesus is in his final hours before he is to be crucified, and they have just finished the Passover supper together. And they're headed off to a place called Gethsemane. And it is at this place where Jesus faces his toughest temptations, but it is also where the disciples will face their toughest temptations. As we stand together to read this, if you're there, Matthew chapter 26, will you stand? I'm sorry for all the up and downs. But hey, maybe it'll wake you up a little bit, okay? Get your blood stirring. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46, the Bible says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. I'd like to preach you this morning a message entitled, Wake Up. Wake up. And would you please pray for me as I pray for you? There's been much that's going on this last two weeks and much on my mind. And I believe Satan is trying to distract me today. And I ask that you would pray for me, that God would grant grace and the ability to be able to preach this message. But let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the name that is above every name. We thank you that at your name every knee will one day bow. And every knee will one, and every tongue will confess one day that you are Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this passage of Scripture that points to your death, that points to the place in your life, Lord Jesus, where you fully surrendered yourself. You fully surrendered yourself throughout your entire ministry. And even at this moment, facing death, you surrendered to your Father's will. We thank you for that today. Father God, as we come before you today, may we surrender ourselves to your will this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the place where you've called me to be today. I ask, Lord, that you would empty me and myself, that you would remove these distractions from me today. Lord, may Satan not get the victory today in this church. I pray that, he, that you would remove distractions from those that are sitting in the auditorium today. Father God, may we hear from your word today. May we hear from you. And may we know when we leave this place today that we have been in your presence. God, may you lead and guide and direct during this time. Holy Spirit, may you do the work that you need to do in the hearts and in the minds of these people and of myself. May we be open 
to the change that you want to do within us today. And it's all these, it's all these things we ask in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Wake up. Can I tell you something today? The church is in a dangerous place. I'm not talking about in the midst of our culture. I'm not talking about in the midst of the circumstances that we're faced with in our times today. I'm talking about the fact that the church is asleep. And we need to wake up. When we can't get excited about the name of Jesus, when we can't get excited about the one who has redeemed us, there's a problem. And the problem is that the church has fallen asleep. I want to take you through this passage of Scripture today, and I want you to see four things that the disciples missed. And I want to show you four things that the church is missing today. Number one, I want you to see missed knowledge. Missed knowledge. Look again at verse 36. The Bible says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Now I'll be flipping back and forth between Luke and Mark's and Matthew's accounts as we look at these passages of Scripture to compare them. You know, the Bible is the greatest commentary because it commentates itself. Commentaries are good, but they need to be handled with care. But the Bible is true 100%. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 39, the Bible says, And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. It was his custom to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, to go to the Mount of Olives, to go to this place where he could pray. And the disciples who knew, they had the knowledge But they missed that knowledge. You see, they knew that Jesus was going to die. They knew that Jesus was going to be betrayed because he just got done telling them that. They'd just been through a a supper together where Jesus was explaining all of these things to them. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be betrayed. You all will betray me. And what was their response? (laughs) Jesus, you're crazy. Like, What are you talking about? We don't understand what you're talking about. You're the Messiah. You're not going to die. You see, they knew, but they didn't know how to apply wisdom. They lacked wisdom. They didn't lack knowledge. They lacked wisdom. You see, this was the custom. Jesus took them to this place. And as we're going to read in just a second, reread, that he was heavy in heart. They could see that he had a lot going on. But they didn't put two and two together. Well, this is just the place we normally come to pray. I guess he's just going to go pray to his father. It's late in the middle of the night. Don't you think that'd be a little weird, Jesus bringing you out in the middle of the night to a place to pray? Wouldn't you think you'd be able to put two and two together? But the disciples didn't. Can I tell you something? The church lacks wisdom. We don't lack knowledge. We lack wisdom. You know why? Because we've come, become complacent. Like the disciples, we've become complacent to the normalities of every Sunday services and the order of services and the quote-unquote things the Christians are supposed to do. We become complacent and we miss what Jesus is trying to tell us. We miss what Jesus is trying to teach us and we miss opportunities. 
which is point number two. Point number two is missed opportunities. In verses 37 through 46, the Bible says, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Remember that. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. And he went again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up! Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. They didn't lack knowledge. They lacked wisdom. You see, wisdom is how to apply knowledge. How do I apply the knowledge that I have? It's an action. And they missed, they lacked wisdom, and therefore they missed opportunities. Can I tell you about this night? This night was probably the hardest night in Jesus' earthly ministry. He was deeply grieved and sorrowful. He was distressed to the point of death. And he brought his disciples to this place and he says, I want you eight to sit here. He put eight disciples in one place and he took Peter, James, and John and he said, I want you guys to come with me. Why did he choose those three? Because they were the inner three. They were his closest friends. Not that he loved them more than the others, but they were his closest friends. They had seen things that none of the other disciples had seen. They had seen his transfiguration. They had seen him bring a girl back to life. They had seen things that the other disciples had not seen. They were his closest friends. And in his greatest hour of need, what were his friends doing? They were sleeping. They'd fallen asleep. They did not lack opportunity. They lacked passion. They did not lack opportunity. They lacked passion. Notice in Luke chapter 22, the Bible says, the Bible says in Luke 22 and verse 40, when he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and began to pray saying, father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in great and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? The reason why the angel showed up is because his closest friends weren't doing their job. God had to send an angel to strengthen and encourage and support his son. Because Jesus' closest friends were a stone's throw away and they were sleeping. They didn't lack opportunity, they lacked passion. When Jesus would come back the first time and wake them up, they could see that he's distressed. They could begin to see the blood that was on his brow. And man, Jesus, what's going on? And what happened when he went away again? They fell asleep again. Man, we're just so tired. It's been a long week. Oh, it's been a long day. We haven't slept in, in almost 24 hours. 
oh, we just, need, we just need a little rest. We just need a little sleep. In Jesus' greatest hours of need, the disciples, his closest friends, fell asleep. Can I tell you today, the church is asleep. We are at the closest point at this moment, closer to the rapture than we've ever been before, and the church is asleep. We don't lack opportunity, we lack passion. What is passion? Passion is, is the utmost zeal to do whatever it is that you're called to do. They lack passion. We lack passion to do what God has called us to do. We're missing it. We're missing the opportunities that God has given us. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, the Bible says, Brethren, Paul writes, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is, is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Let us not lose our passion in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity... See, we don't lack opportunity. We lack passion. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Paul writes, bear one another's burdens. Can I tell you what the church is doing? We're isolating ourselves. Well, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time. You know, God might be calling me to the men's ministry. I don't have time for the men's ministry. I'm too tired. Work's got me all wrapped up. I'm too tired for that. Well, I see that sister so-and-so, man, she really needs some help. She needs somebody to cut her grass. I don't have time. I'm just too tired. I'm just too tired to do that. Oh, well, that person there in the grocery store, they really needed help loading their groceries up in their car, but I'm just in such, I don't have time. I'm too tired. I don't have time for that. We don't lack opportunity, we lack passion. There are plenty of opportunities, but we lack passion. The church is asleep today, and we're missing the opportunities that God is giving us. James tells us in his book, James chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. Can I tell you something? There's a lot of people that come to church every Sunday, and man, I've got faith, and yes, I believe in God, and yes, I know God. But we don't act like it. Because we don't have passion to do the will of our Father. We don't have passion to do the things that God has commanded us to do. And can I tell you something? If we don't, God's going to find somebody else who will. So I sent the angel. If you're not going to do it, Peter, James, and John, I'm going to send somebody who will. I'm going to send an angel to go and comfort my son and support my son. Jesus had asked them, he had begged them, pray for me. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray for me. Keep watching. Keep waiting. Man, we're just so tired. My friend Jesus would not have slept 
for almost 36 hours when he was headed for the cross. If anybody that night should have been resting up for what it was to come, who was it? Was it the disciples? No, it was Jesus. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was praying because temptation was pounding him. It was pounding at his door. Can you imagine Satan being there? Hey, Jesus, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, you do. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to be put on a cross for people that don't love you. You're going to be punched in the face. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be scourged. You're going to be bruised beyond recognition. What are you going to die for these people for? And Jesus all the while, you think Jesus wanted to die for you on a cross? No. He didn't want to die for you on a cross. Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way possible, can we do it that way, but not my will, yours be done. Passion to accomplish the will of his Father. You see the difference? We don't lack opportunity, we lack passion to accomplish the will of God. Can I tell you why they lacked passion? It's because they missed relationship. They missed relationship. Notice what Jesus prays in verses 39 through 46. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Over in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 38... In Mark's account of this event, the Bible says they came to a place named Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it, that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And after, and at, and, excuse me, and he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The reason why they lacked passion was because they missed relationship. Now, can I tell you something? They didn't lack relationship. Okay? They didn't lack knowledge, they didn't lack opportunity, and they didn't lack relationship. They had the King of Kings in their presence. They had Jesus, the Son of God, there. They had a relationship with Him. They knew Him, but they didn't have faith in Him. They knew Him, but they didn't have faith in Him. See, they believed that He was the Messiah. He was going to come and He was going to set up Israel over Rome. They still believed that at this point. They didn't have faith in the things that Jesus told them. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. No, you're not. Jesus, no, you're not. You're not going to die. And even if you did, we would all die with you. Whose will was that speaking? Was it God's will or was it the disciples' will? It was the disciples' will. 
You see, they didn't lack relationship. They lacked surrender. They didn't lack relationship. They lacked surrender. What did Jesus pray? God, I know that all things are possible for you. All things are possible. And if it's possible to change this, if it's possible to change what's about to happen, let it be so. But if not, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Can I tell you the problem in the church today is not that we lack relationship. Because can I tell you something? If you believe with all your heart that God, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from again, the Bible says that you'll be saved. And if you're saved, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? We don't lack relationship. We lack surrender to the calling of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And many times in our lives, we say, not your will, but mine be done. Because we are not surrendered to the will of God on our lives. We don't lack relationship, we lack surrender. What is it that the Holy Spirit is leading you to do? Jesus said it himself. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Who were the, who were the disciples depending on that night? Were they depending on the Spirit or were they depending on their flesh? Their flesh? You know why I know that? Because they fell asleep. They didn't do the will that Jesus had commanded them. They didn't do the thing that Jesus had commanded them to do. They fell asleep. Well, Jesus is just having a rough night. We're just going to shut our eyes, close our eyes. We're just going to take a rest. My friend, now is not the time to fall asleep. Now is not the time to say, my will be done. Now is the time to say, Father, what is it that you'd have me to do? What is it that your will is for my life? Where are you leading in my life? Can I tell you something today? In many churches, 10% of the church does 90% of the work. You know why that is? Because we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but we don't have faith in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit might lead you to do something and call you out of your comfort zone, which usually happens. You usually get called out of your comfort zone according to the will of the Spirit. Last Sunday, I told you, I didn't want to be in this place. Guess where God called me? Right here to this place. I don't want to be anywhere near this pulpit. I don't want to be anywhere near speaking in front of a congregation. God will call you out of your comfort zone so that you will entirely depend upon Him. They did not lack relationship, they lacked surrender. We do not lack relationship, we lack surrender to the calling upon, of God upon our lives. If you are a born-again believer in this room, you have a calling of God upon your life. We are all part of the body of Christ. None of us is an island to themselves. None of us is a silo to themselves. We all have a calling that has been placed upon us that it will endure for the entirety of your life upon this earth. Guess what? There is no retirement as a disciple of Jesus. You may retire from your workplace, but you cannot retire from the church because you're part of the body. One part of the body doesn't die off. It continues to move. It continues to be productive. Christ does not die one piece at a time. He is alive and well and moving. And if we believe that, if we truly believe that, then we ought to be surrendered to God's calling upon our lives. What is God calling you to do? 
Can I tell you what he's not calling you to do? He's not calling you to come and fill a a pew once a week and then go do whatever you want to do the rest of the week. Can I tell you what he's not calling you to do? He's not calling you to come in here and put a face on and put a smile on your face and then walk out that door and bicker and complain about the preacher or your Sunday school teacher or Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so across the aisle. Well, I just didn't like the thing they wore today. Well, I just didn't like that song that they played. Well, I just didn't like this and I didn't like that. God has not called you to complain. He has called you to serve. And the problem is, is that 99.9% of the church doesn't understand that. Oftentimes in our lives, our lives. Guess what? There's times during the day where my will is done over God. Okay? I'm not perfect. And if you think I am, we'll have a conversation back there. I'll tell you I'm not perfect. I'll show you my imperfections. I'll show you my scars. But thanks be to God that those scars are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are called to serve. We are called to surrender. He's not called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for nothing. If He is truly your King, if He is truly your Lord, then your response to Him ought to be the same as Samuel's and it ought to be the same as Isaiah's. Here am I. Here am I. What is it that you'd have me to do? Here am I. Your servant is listening. Samuel, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. God, what is it that you want me to do? Because I'm completely surrendered to your will. Jesus was completely surrendered, but the disciples missed the relationship. They did not lack a relationship. They lacked surrender. And fourthly and finally, because they missed relationship, they missed questions. They missed questions. In Mark chapter 14, the Bible teaches us in verses 39 and 40, after the third time that Jesus, or excuse me, after the second time, again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words, and he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. See, the first time Jesus came, he said, come on, guys, get up. Get up. Don't you see me? I need you. I need you right now. I need you to pray. I need you to keep watch. I need you up. I need you going. And the second time he came to them and he found them the same way and they woke up and they were just like, they did not know what to answer him. My friend, can I tell you, there's coming a day when there's going to be a lot of Christians that stand before an almighty God and they're going to be like those disciples. What did you do with the life that I gave you? What did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with the commands that I gave you? Uh, um, you ever been in trouble with your parents? And you know what you did, what, you know what you did was wrong. And when they ask you, you're just kind of, uh, why did you do that? Because uh, I'm stupid, you know? There's going to be a lot of Christians that will stand before a holy God. And God will ask us, what did you do with the time that I gave you? The parable of the talents. And oftentimes we associate that with our talents today. But my friend, talent is a currency. 
And as we've mentioned before, the currency of heaven is time. God has allotted you a specific amount of time to invest. How are you investing that time? How are we investing that time? We will miss those questions if we don't get a move on. They did not lack questions. They lacked answers. The question was there. What? You guys can't stay awake for one hour? Uh, Church, it's time to wake up. We've got a world that's lost and it's dying and it's on its way to hell. And we're too preoccupied with our jobs. We're too preoccupied with the way that our church looks. We're too preoccupied with what this person's wearing, what this person sings, and how they look. Instead of focusing on ourselves and the tasks that we have been given to do. We don't lack questions, we lack answers. We have a set time on this earth. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? In Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, Jesus says this, and this is Jesus, okay? Not only did God inspire the word, but those pieces where Jesus speaks, that's God speaking twice, it's pretty important. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's going to be a question on that judgment day. Yeah, you called me Lord, Lord, but why didn't you do what I told you to do? I told you to go and be a Sunday school teacher. I told you to go and be a youth leader. I told you to go and be the men's ministry leader. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? What will our answer be on that day? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 29, Jesus says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good, good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them 
may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things? Yeah, I, I was a Sunday school teacher. I did do what you asked me to do. Did you do it willingly? Well, I, I, I led the men's ministry. Did you do it willingly? Well, nobody else is going to fill the position. I guess I'll do it. Get it over with. The passion comes in. We don't lack questions. We lack answers. We don't lack knowledge. We lack wisdom. We don't lack opportunities. We lack passion. We don't lack relationship. We lack surrender. We don't lack questions. We lack answers. Because we're not being obedient to what our Lord is commanding us to do. We show up to church on Sunday. Well, I'm checking off my box. These are the things that God, you know, a good Christian is supposed to do. I'm going to read my Bible. I got, you know, go to church. I'm going to sing in the choir. It's not a relationship. That's slavery. I've got to do these things to get approval with God. It's not a relationship. We do them because we get to do them. My friend, we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. I asked you a question at the beginning of the service. I said, is he worthy of worship? Now I ask you now, is he worthy of your service? Oh, no, don't answer that quickly. I'm not looking for a response. Is he worthy of your service? Because if you say amen, then we better check our heart and make sure that we're doing the service of our Lord. Because, my friend, if not, then you just contradicted yourself and you just called yourself a hypocrite. And can I tell you, Jesus had his belly full of hypocrites. He had his belly full of hypocrites. The Pharisees. Oh, we looked apart, and man, we followed the law of Moses, but your heart is far from me. Hey, I look like a Christian, I act like a Christian, I talk like a Christian, I sing like a Christian, but your heart is far from him because you're not doing the everyday menial tasks that God has given you to do as a servant. Are we being servants of God? Are we following the leading of the Spirit? Can I tell you something today? One of the reasons why I believe that revival has not happened yet in the church in America today is because we don't believe God can do it. I've heard preachers over and over and over again, some within my own family, who say, well, it's, we're just too far gone. We're just too far gone for revival. We're just too far gone as a nation for God to do anything. That's throwing a towel. We'll just serve God the day we die, and that'll be it. Oh, ye of little faith. My Bible says that all things are possible with God. 
Can I tell you something? We don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know why we don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because we don't know Him. We stay away from Him. Well, you know, I can't get close to them Pentecostal people. Can't, oh, man, I can't, can't, can't do that. Got to stay away from the Holy Spirit. My friend, the Holy Spirit is your best friend. He lives within you. He's the one who gives you the power to do your Father's will. And yet we don't know Him because we're afraid of Him. Now, I'm not saying the next Sunday we need to be in here and falling out everywhere and that we're going to get snakes up here. Not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we're going to go speaking in tongues. We don't live in a nation today where we need to speak in tongues. Enough said about that. But we need to know the Holy Spirit because it is Him who gives us the power to accomplish the will of God in our lives. It is Him who guides us and directs us. It is He who sends up and is the, is, is the one who takes our prayers to God. He prays on our behalf. Romans chapter 8. He prays on our behalf, asking God to give us what we need. Can I tell you, a lot of times we ask for what we want. We don't ask for what we need. My will be done. God, give me healing from this disease. I, I don't want to be sick anymore. What if God's using your disease to witness to somebody else? What if God's got you in that hospital bed to be a witness to your doctor and to your nurses and to the people who come and visit you? Well, I don't want to live next to so-and-so. God, would you please move them? What if you're to be a witness to that person? The Holy Spirit prays for what you need, and yet we do not know him. Jesus prayed, all things are possible for you. And if Jesus believes it, my friend, I believe it. But we really don't have faith in the Holy Spirit. We pray for revival. We pray for these great things to happen. We pray for uh, a growth in our church. We pray for people to get saved, but we really don't believe it's going to happen. You know why? Because, well, I just haven't, haven't seen it in a while. So I'll pray for it, but I really don't believe it. You know what Jesus said? If you ask anything in my name, believing the Father will grant it to you. The reason why we've got a lot of unanswered prayers is because we're not believing our Father to answer those prayers. Time is running out. Our last slide for the day. In Matthew 26, verses 45 and 46, in closing... He came a third time and found them sleeping. And he woke them up and he said to them, Then he came to the disciples, verse 45, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. You know what Jesus came back and told his disciples? Time's up. Time's up. Can't pray anymore. The one who betrays me, he's coming. And we've got to go meet him. Can I tell you what Jesus is trying to tell the church today? Wake up! Time is at hand. Behold, the hour has come and is upon us. Your time is running out.
time is running out. Miss time. What are we doing with that investment of time? What are we doing for Jesus? Can I talk to you a little bit in closing about what I believe? I believe that God has called Caroline and I here for a specific reason. I believe that God has you here for a specific reason. Because can I tell you something? God is not the God of chance. God has you here at Crossview Baptist Church for a reason. God has called Crossview Baptist Church to be a beacon of light in this community. And I'm believing Him for it. We're going to hit bumps in the road. There'll be times where we agree to disagree. There'll be times when we might butt heads. My friend, we're a family. And we're a family that has been called by God to serve God and to see great things done for God. And if you don't believe that, then my friend, go find another preacher. Because I believe in that. And I'll believe that to the day I die. My God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. My God is alive and he's well today, and he wants to see people saved. He wants to see a world changed through the power of the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's dealing with a church that's asleep. And we need to wake up, lest he come and he finds us sleeping. And we'd be like those disciples without an answer to give him. I believe that God wants to do great and mighty things through Crossview Baptist Church. What do you believe? What do you believe today? We're about to enter into a time of invitation. And I want to invite you to do something, okay? I know this altar can be very intimidating. All right, I know it can be. And I know some pastors are all about the numbers. Man, we had 50 people up here today. My friend, the reason why we have an altar is because an altar is a place where we come and we lay our sacrifices before the Lord. I think a lot of people don't come to the altar because they don't understand the significance of an altar and an altar call. Well, I could just sit here in my comfortable seat and I could pray the same thing. Yeah, you can But can I tell you something? When you take it a step further and you show God that I'm committed to what I'm coming to bring and lay at your feet, it takes it just a step further with God. And it shows God that you're serious. My friend, we're going to have an altar call in just a minute. I want to ask you that question. What do you believe? Are you just here filling a spot in a pew? Are you just here passing the time, doing your weekly duty of coming to church? Or do you really believe with all of your heart that God wants to do something with your life here at Crossview Baptist Church for His kingdom, for His glory, for His honor, to accomplish in you what He has purposed for you to do? Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you, and He created you for a specific purpose and a specific calling. Have you surrendered to that?
Are you living surrendered to Him? Are you living surrendered to His will? What do we believe? Are we still sleeping? Are we sleeping in the pews today? Well, that was a good sermon. I'm going to go home and eat my fried chicken today. Or do we believe God has given us a word in order that He might change us and mold us to be made more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ? Do we believe that? Or are they just words on a page that we read? Do we believe that God is still alive? Do we believe that God is still moving? Do we believe that God can accomplish His will even in the midst of these perilous times? Or do we believe that our God is dead? What do you believe?